2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 10. But before we read our text, I want to just share a couple of things that I read on Monday from a devotional that I read uh, almost every day, but I read this on Monday. It says, what you cannot change, God will give you the grace to overcome. It's the battles that produce the victories and the victors. God will either change your circumstances or, or he will either change you. Let me read it again. What you cannot change, God will give you the grace to overcome. It's the battles that produce the victories and the victors. God will either change your circumstances or he will either change you. As I read those words on Monday, I immediately thought of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when I thought about Paul's thorn in the flesh and how he sought God to have the thorn removed and God spoke to him and told him, I'm not going to remove it, but my grace is sufficient for you. And I know in our church there are a lot of people that are hurting, there are a lot of people going through different things and you've been praying and seeking God to remove it, but I believe sometimes... God doesn't remove those things, but God responds by giving us grace to endure those things that we go through. And so tonight we're going to talk about God's purpose in our pain. And I had to go back and look and see if I'd preached this text before. And about two years ago, I went through this text before, so this is kind of a repeat of a message. But I believe it's still uh, beneficial for us to go back and look at this text again and find out what God would say to us tonight. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse number 1. It says, It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such a one called up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he sees me to be, or that he hears of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Pain is to be expected in life. We all know that to be true. If you've lived any amount of time, you know that pain is a part of life. In fact, the Bible warns us that trouble and pain should be expected. Job 5 verse 7 says... Man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. Job 14.1 tells us, Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Pain in life is inevitable. But have you ever considered that God may have a purpose behind your pain? Have you ever considered that God may be trying to do something in your life in the midst of your pain? Or have you thought about the fact that God may have allowed the pain to come into your life to fulfill His purpose in your life? 
I want you to hear something tonight. Some of the things that you're trying to avoid or escape from are the very things that will nurture and shape you into the person God wants you to be. Many times we're praying for God to remove the affliction. We're praying for God to remove the pain. We're saying, God, deliver me from this. We're praying, God, deliver me from this heartache. Deliver me from this brokenness. But it's what you're going through that makes you into the man or woman that God's trying to make you into. It's the difficulties of life that often shape us into who God wants us to be. And yet so many times we want a life of ease. We want a life of luxury. We want a life of no heartache or sorrow whatsoever else. But here's the thing. It's those difficult moments of life that often makes us who we are intended to be. And so as we look at this text tonight, we're going to see that Paul suffered with what he called a thorn in the flesh We're also going to see that God had a purpose behind Paul's pain. And from this text, we're going to discover what God was wanting to do in Paul's life. And we're also going to see what God wants to do in our lives as well. So look at point number one. We're going to talk about the pain. The pain. Look at verse 7 again. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Paul says he was given a thorn in the flesh to buffet or torment or harass him. Notice Paul said it was given to him. Paul considered this trial, this affliction, this thorn in the flesh to be a gift. You see, whatever Paul's thorn was, it was a part of God's plan for his life. And here's the thing. Most of us don't consider thorns and buffetings and times of torment and times of harassment as part of God's plan for our life. But here's the thing. Sometimes storms and trials and heartache and difficult days are part of God's plan for our lives. In fact, I think about Jesus one time. He told the disciples, get on the boat. And as soon as they get on the boat to go to the other side, they meet a storm. And it was exactly where they were supposed to be. That was God's will for their life. Sometimes God's will will take you into storms. Sometimes God's plans means that you're going to have thorns and times of buffeting and times of sorrow and times of danger. We start answering that question first of all by having to find out what was Paul's thorn in the flesh. Well, when we think of a thorn, we think of something like a rose bush or something like a briar patch, something that is small, something that is simple, something that really doesn't cause a lot of trouble. It's just a little irritation. It's something minor. But here the word thorn means a sharp wooden stake to torture or impale someone. In other words, this wasn't a splinter that Paul was talking about. This wasn't a small problem or a minor inconvenience or irritation that Paul was dealing with. Paul is using this word to say that his affliction was so excruciating that it was like an ongoing crucifixion. Notice that Paul says it was a thorn in the flesh. This infirmity, the infirmity was bodily, not spiritual or mental, which is why many suggest that Paul's thorn was some kind of sickness. Now, we don't know for sure what his thorn was, but some suggested that he had some kind of eye disease based on Galatians chapter 6, verse 11, where he talked about, hey, see what with uh, large letters I wrote with. Some people think because he'd been beaten the head so many times and stoned and all that kind of stuff that he, he had some eye problems. Uh, we also know that his bodily presence was somewhat weak. They say, hey, he, he, he writes all these great letters, but when he shows up, he's just kind of weak, feeble-looking man. 
Some have suggested that Paul's thorn was malaria, epilepsy, or some other physical affliction. Nobody knows for sure, but whatever it was, it made the task of preaching and ministering to the churches far more difficult for Paul. Paul says this thorn was sent to torment him or buffet him. These words mean to strike with the fist or to beat upon. And so when you combine these words with the word thorn, you can see that Paul's pain was severe. His pain was like being beaten or punched with an open fist and being impaled on a stake. Notice one more thing. Paul calls it a messenger of Satan. What does that mean? It means that both God and Satan were involved in giving this to him. Paul's thorn was physical in nature, but God and Satan were involved in his affliction. Satan was the instrument that God used to work in Paul's life. Now let me illustrate this. There's a similar scene at the beginning of the book of Job when Satan appears before God to get permission to afflict Job and to bring on the terrible session with bulls that he had. But at the end of the book of Job, God appears alone and says to Job, basically, I'm responsible, Job. Do you have any questions? Now think about that. Satan had to get permission to afflict Job physically. And let me just say this. Satan can't do anything unless God allows him to do it. Amen? And so you always have the combinations of these two forces. Satan wants to destroy God's people, but God can take what Satan means for evil and bring good out of it. Satan's purpose was to destroy Paul and to make life miserable for him, but God's purpose was to strengthen him, to humble him, and to keep him usable in his hands. You see, Paul's affliction may have been carried out by Satan, but it was conceived by God. So both were involved. You see, Satan can only do what God allows him to do. I want us to understand the devil isn't free to go about and afflict God's people. And so if you're being tormented or harassed by the enemy, remember that ultimately God is behind it. That God is on the throne, God is ruling and reigning, and God is orchestrating things. Satan might be trying to plot against you, but God is ruling and overseeing everything that's taking place in our lives. It might seem like the temperature's being turned up in your life, but I promise you, God has his hand on the thermostat. Amen? God's the one in control. We also see that this pain that Paul dealt with was persistent. The word buffet is a verb that is in the present tense and the active voice. Again, that probably don't mean a whole lot to you. But it tells us that whatever afflicted Paul was something that was continual in nature. In other words, when this problem came, it came to stay. The text tells us that Paul even prayed three times for, to, for God to take it away. He prayed, God, give me some relief, give me some comfort. But the problem stayed. It did not go away. Hear me. The things that we are called to endure may not be over in an hour or even a few days. Some of God's people, for God's own reasons, are given thorns and buffetings that last for years. And if you've been battling something for some time now, I don't want you to be discouraged. I don't want you to give up. I don't want you to lose hope. I don't want you to be depressed because God is working in your life. God's trying to do something special in your life. In fact, let me say this to us. Often God works in our lives in a process. I know God things can do supernaturally and God can do things immediately. I know God can turn things around on a moment's notice, but at times God does things gradually. I know we want God to show up 
and turn it around in a moment. We want God to do things suddenly. We want God to do things instantly. But sometimes God does things gradually. Sometimes he works in a process. He didn't take Joseph from his father's home to the palace immediately. He took him there in a process. He got thrown into the pit by his brothers. He got betrayed by Potiphar's wife and had to spend years in prison before he ever got to the palace because sometimes God works through a process. But here's the thing, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I want immediate relief. I've been battling this for years and years and years. I want some comfort. I want some help. But here's the thing. If we always had immediate relief from all of our problems and we always had immediate comfort, you wouldn't know how to trust God. If God always answered your prayer immediately and gave you the relief immediately, you wouldn't become the person God wanted you to become. So sometimes you've got to endure the process. Amen? Because God's doing something in the pain. Let me just say something to you. God doesn't waste anything. God doesn't waste anything. God doesn't waste pain. And eventually all things work together for good. Right? So let's look secondly at this, the purpose. Look again at verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Paul says this thorn was given to him to keep him from exalting himself. That phrase, exalted above measure, there means literally that I may not be over exalted. Paul is saying that he was given this thorn to keep him from becoming proud, arrogant, and conceited. In other words, Paul was given this thorn so that he wouldn't have an overinflated ego and think more highly of himself than he ought to. Apparently, pride was a problem for the Apostle Paul. Apparently, he had an eye problem. It was all about Paul. Pride possibly could have been his besetting sin. So God had to keep him humble. In fact, if you read a lot of his letters, notice how many times he uses the word I. Just read his letters. Now look at how many times he refers to himself. Here's what Warren Wiersbe said. The Lord knows how to balance our lives. If we have only blessings, we may become proud, so he permits us to have burdens as well. Paul's great experience in heaven could have ruined his ministry on earth, so God in his goodness permitted Satan to buffet Paul in order to keep him from becoming proud. End of quote. You see, God can balance blessings and buffetings. God knows how to work in our lives. I'll say it like this. God knows what we need when we need it. But here's the thing. Sometimes the things we need, we don't want. Amen? Sometimes the things we need, we don't want. Sometimes we need the buffeting, but we say, God, I don't want that. Just give me the blessings. And God says, right now, you need the buffeting. We don't want the valleys, but God says, right now, you need the valley. You need the pain. Because there's a purpose for the pain. There's a purpose for the valley. See, God will allow pain and problems into our lives to keep us humble. He'll allow us to suffer in order to build our character. 
You see, God is more concerned with our humility and holiness than he is our happiness. You see, I, I, I get tired of people always telling me that God always wants you to be happy. God wants you to be holy. God wants you to be more like Jesus. Amen? Now, here's the thing. He always wants you to be joyful, and that's different than happiness. Because here's the thing. You can always be joy, joyful, whether you're happy or not. Because happiness depends upon your circumstances. There's a lot of people in the world that are happy when things are going their way. But let things go wrong, and they're not so happy anymore. But here's the thing, things can fall apart in our lives as believers and we can still be joyful. Amen? Because we've got Jesus. God has a purpose for our pain. He has a plan for everything that we experience in life. We may not like the pain or the struggle, but God is doing something in us in the time of our trial. Hear me well tonight. Pride is one of the deadliest things to your walk with Jesus. You can write that down. Pride is one of the deadliest things to your walk with God. In fact, here's the thing. Pride makes you think that you get all the credit for the things that happen around you. I will also say that pride is the root cause of all other sins. Just think about the middle letter of the word sin. S-I-N. It's the root cause. I want to be important. I want my needs met. I want to feel special. I want everybody to serve me. You know what led to the downfall of Lucifer? You know what led him to be kicked out of heaven? Pride. Listen to Isaiah 14, verse 12 through 15. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, notice this, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. What was his problem? Pride. He said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be like God. I'm going to overthrow him. I'm going to sit on the throne. Pride will lead to your downfall just like it led to Lucifer's. Once a mighty angel in heaven, many say he led the worship in heaven, but because of pride, he got kicked out along with the third of the angels. Pride. It leads to our destruction. It leads to our downfall. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says this, Wherefore let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Listen, if you ever think that you can never fall, guess what? You're probably on the verge of falling. You know why Peter fell? Jesus, I'll never deny you. I'll go to prison for you. I'll die for you. And guess what? Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me. I won't do that, Jesus. And what happened? When the rooster crowed the final time, Peter hung his head down low and he went out and he wept bitterly because he did exactly what Jesus told him he would do. But pride got the best of him. The Bible warns us about the danger of pride, doesn't it? Let's look at some scripture. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 18, 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty and before honor is humility. 
People who fall, it starts with pride. But the Bible also talks about the blessings of humility. James 4, 6, he gives more grace. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. James 4, 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. If you want to be useful to God according to his standards of usefulness, you're going to find thorns in your life. God is using them to keep you trusting Him and looking to Him. God has a purpose behind the pain and that purpose is to remove the pride and sin from our lives. I'll just say this, if we ever get too big for our riches, God will bring the thorns to our lives. Amen? Listen, if I ever get to a place where I think I can stand here and do this without Him and I don't need Him and I can preach without His anointing, I can preach without His help, I promise you I'll stand up and God will sit down and He'll let me do it by myself and I'll fall flat on my face. And listen, there's been times I've stood up and God sat down and it was a flop. God knows how to humble us. I'll say it like this. We can humble ourselves willingly or God can humble us. Amen? But let's look at a third thing. Let's look at the plea. Look at verse 8. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. Paul says that he pleaded with God three times to have this thorn removed. I believe Paul knew how to pray. In fact, read some of his letters and you you find him praying for the saints. You read the book of Ephesians and he's praying that they might understand the height, the breadth, the depth of the love of God. That they're praying that they might be filled with the fullness of God. He, He knew how to pray. And he says, I besought God three times. To have it move. Pleading, begging, imploring God to have the affliction taken away. Didn't just pray once and stop. He didn't just pray once and quit. But three times he's seeking God for help. Seeking to find some comfort. Seeking to find some relief. Praying and praying persistently. He understood if I want some help, I got to go to God. That's a great lesson, isn't it? If you want some help, you need to go to God. I want to just say it's okay to take your pain and problems to God in prayer. It's okay to ask God for the problem to be over with. It's okay to pray for relief. It's okay to pray for help. It's okay to pray for deliverance. It's okay to ask God to remove the thorn. But at the same time, you have to accept God's answer, whatever that answer may be. Paul pleaded three times for relief. But each time God said, no. John Philip said this, Paul's petitions were overruled by God who knows best, makes no mistakes, and loves us with love beyond degree. End of quote. God knows what is best for us and there will be times when you pray that God says no. Hear me, no's an answer. How many has ever told your children no? They ain't like it too much, did they? But no's an answer. It's not the answer we want. But it's an answer. Think about this. Had God said yes to Paul, do you think that Paul would have become all that God wanted him to become? I don't think so. 
Had God said yes, it would have hindered the work that God was doing in Paul's life. God isn't always going to say yes. I wish that he would. There's going to be times he says no. Sometimes it's because he has something better. But sometimes it's because he wants to do something better in us. And we have to understand that. And you have to accept it. Amen? You have to accept it. We have to understand that God has never promised to give us what we want, but He has promised to give us what we need. If God is trying to do something in your life and you're pleading with Him for relief, most likely His answer to you is going to be no. Because God wants His will in your life more than He wants you to have relief. God wants His purpose in your life to be fulfilled more than He wants you to be comfortable. Jonah, and I talked about this earlier with Brother Kirk, said, I'm not going to Nineveh. And God said, yes, you are. And so Jonah had to get a little uncomfortable, didn't he? Why? Because God's purpose is more important than our comfort. And so God will get you to where He wants to get you. And it doesn't matter about your comfort. And so there might be some thorns along the way. Because God's trying to get you somewhere. And we don't like that. And I can't sell no books with that kind of preaching. People's not going to line up out the door for me to get out and give autographs. But that's the Bible. I'm afraid there's a lot of Christians today, they wouldn't want the love of the Apostle Paul. Shipwrecked. Beaten, left for dead, many nights on the sea without food, naked. That's not the ministry we want today. We, we, we want nice hotels and big homes and cars, nice watches and clothes, and fine dining. But the man wrote most of the New Testament. Or they could take sweaty rags from his body and lay it on people and then get healed and devils come out. I'm not talking about rags anointed with anointing oil. I'm talking about sweaty rags. He just wiped his brow with and tossed aside and they'd take them. He ain't pray over them. Read, read, read the Bible. I'm talking about he, he ain't out there working in the hot sun, wiping sweat and toss them aside. And they'd, they'd grab them up and go lay them on people and then get... Talk about power. Or a Peter. Felt unworthy to be crucified like his Savior. He said, crucify me upside down is what history tells us. Because he didn't want to be crucified like Jesus. So turn me upside down. But could walk by. And they'd put people in the streets just hoping his shadow would fall on them. 
But earlier he denied Jesus three times. But once he got back on the right track, nobody wants all the pain. But here's the thing, if you want that kind of power, are you willing to go through that kind of pain? Because that's really the secret. It's going through some pain. Going through some stuff. Let me ask you this. Would you rather have God's plan and purpose accomplished in your life or would you rather live your life without pain? You see, you have to ask yourself this question. Do you want to live a painless life or a purposeless life? There's a lot of people living a purposeless life because they don't want the pain. They don't want the thorn. I'm t- let me just emphasize this. I'm, I'm talking about more than just little hiccups and problems and irritations along the way. I'm talking about things where just God brings things into your life. Where he disrupts things. We don't want those things. But to be all he wants you to be, you're going to have to deal with some of those things. Jacob wrestled with God all night long. And for the rest of his life, he walked with a limp. You could tell he'd been with God. Paul tells us in the passage he would rather have the pain. Why? Because number four, he tells us the promise. Look at verse nine. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Two messages involved in this painful experience. The thorn in the flesh was Satan's message to Paul, but God had another message, and it was a message of grace. God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. What is grace? Grace is God's provision for every need when we need it. It's been said that God in His grace gives us what we don't deserve and in His mercy He does not give us what we do deserve. First of all, it was a message of sufficient grace. He said, my grace is sufficient. The New Living Translation says, my grace is all you need. You see, there is never a shortage of grace. Grace never runs out. God's grace is sufficient for our material needs as well as our physical needs. If God's grace is sufficient to save us, it's sufficient to keep us and strengthen us in our times of suffering. God's grace will be there in our times of suffering. Aren't you glad for God's grace? In fact, there's only one word to describe God's grace. It's amazing. That's why John Newton wrote the song, Amazing Grace. Listen, he was a slave trader and a drunkard. And when God saved him, he penned the words amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. 
But it was also a message of strengthening grace. He said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. You see, God permits us to become weak so that we might receive his strength. You see, when God doesn't remove the affliction, you can rest assured that he'll give you his grace and strength to endure it and get through it. Let me just say something about faith. Faith doesn't always let you escape the problem. Sometimes faith lets you endure the problem. Read Hebrews 11. Everybody didn't get to escape what they were going through. Some people just had to endure what they were going through. But they're still heroes of faith. Amen? You see, see, there are those out there in the prosperity teaching that think if you have enough faith, you'll never have problems. You can always get out of it. But here's the thing. Sometimes faith doesn't always get you out of it. Sometimes faith just lets you endure it. Right? You see, we have the promise of God's grace. God gives us grace for every situation, gives us grace for every need. He gives us grace to overcome temptation, grace to overcome sin, grace to endure suffering, grace to endure disappointment, grace to endure pain. God's grace is sufficient. His grace is all we need. Amen? It's all we need. Paul knew that God's grace was enough, which is why he could say he would gladly boast about his weaknesses. Think about that. He said, I'm going to boast and glory and take pleasure in my weaknesses. Wow. Well, let's notice one final thing. Number five, the power. Let's read verse 9 and 10 again. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory or boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul says that he would gladly, that is with great pleasure, boast in his weaknesses. For it was through his weaknesses that Christ could powerfully work through him. Paul says that Christ's power could be fully displayed in his life when he was weak. The New Living Translation says, My power works best in weakness. Let me just say it this way. God's power works best when you realize you have no power. Because Jesus said, I believe it's in John 15, around verse 5, Without me, you can do nothing. And that's what you've got to realize. Without Him, we can do nothing. Amen? It was only in Paul's weakness that Christ's power could fully rest on Paul. Literally, in Greek, it says this, act as a shelter over Paul. God's power was going to be like a shelter over Paul. In other words, Paul didn't want to wander away from the protection and support that was in Christ by relying on his own strength. He wanted Christ's power to overshadow everything that he did. And so Paul submitted to the pain because he would rather have the strength of Christ than his own weakness. Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong. He said, I'm powerful, I'm mighty. He says, when I'm at my weakest, he says, that's actually when I'm the most strongest. Because it's not my power, it's his power. You see, it's only when we come to the end of ourselves that the power of Christ can rest upon our lives. You see, all of us want to be used greatly for God, don't we? 
All of us want God's power on our lives so that we can do great things for Him. All of us want our lives to matter, but the secret to having God's power is becoming weak. Realizing we're nothing. God's power operates in its fullness when we have none left. Like John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. It's when we're broken. It's when we come to the end of our own resources. It's when we have nothing left to lean on or trust in but God that we see His power operate in our lives. It's when we're empty that we see God's power released in our lives. Can I just say something to you? If you're full of yourself, God can't fill you with His Spirit. And that's why I believe sometimes God allows pain to come because He wants to knock everything that we've been trusting on out of the way so that we lean on Him and Him alone. If Paul had been proud and arrogant and conceited and trusting in himself, he couldn't have been used as God wanted to use him. And so God had to keep him humble so that God could continue to use him and work in his life. And that's the same way it is with us. If we ever get too big and we ever get uh, so big in our own eyes that we think it's all about us, God can't use us anymore. But if we stay humble and we stay small, God's power can work in us and through us and God can do great things. I want us to stay small. I want us to stay humble. I want us to realize that we're nothing without Him. You may have walked in here tonight and you may feel like you're being broken. God has a purpose for the breaking. But I can promise you this, when the breaking's over, God knows how to put it back together. When he puts it back together, it'll be better. Amen? But God's doing something in the breaking. And you have to let him do what he wants to do. Because here's what I'll say to you. It's foolish to fight against him. Because you're not going to win. You're not going to win. In closing, God has a purpose for our pain. He develops our character through pain. He drives us to our knees through pain. There's nothing like pain that'll make you pray. He displays His grace through our pain and He dispenses His power through our pain. You may be going through a trying time at this moment. You may be here tonight. You feel bruised, battered, Beaten, broken. But God has a purpose for what you're going through. And God says to you what He said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you. And so tonight, if you need God's grace, you can come and you can receive His grace. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You can approach Him and find grace.
to help. Where else can you go? There's nowhere else to go. Go to the Father. He may not take it away, but He'll give you grace. Amen? He may not remove the thorn. He may not stop the buffeting and the breaking, but He'll give you grace. Amen? Could you stand with me?